Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and each week we celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, parenting experts like today, and moms around the world. Also today... Hi, everybody. Uh, I want to let you know that I'm so happy to be back from maternity leave. I have my three-and-a-half-week-old Eliza and Sabrina's home from preschool for a few weeks. Our house is a zoo, so I am so grateful that we are calling across the pond today. I am so sleep-deprived, and I know that our guest's accent will have a soothing effect on my frayed nerves. I can't see straight, and honestly, I'm not sure if it's my contact or if it's because I didn't get any sleep last night. Uh, um, But enough about me. Our guest today, parenting coach and author Sarah Ockwell-Smith. She is the mother of four children whose work and expertise has been featured in BBC News Magazine, WebMD, BuzzFeed, as well as national television and radio. Her new book is on sale August 29th, 2017, which, by the way, is our podcast release date. And it's Gentle Discipline, Using Emotional Connection, Not Punishment, to Raise Confident, Capable Kids. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on Atomic Moms. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So right before we started recording, you mentioned that you're also a little sleepy. Where did you just come back from? <laughs> no, we've we've just come back from holiday in Jamaica, which is so in the UK. It's um, quite late at night when we're recording, but I'm still on island time. They call it in Jamaica, so I have really bad jet lag. So I think the combination of you being sleep deprived and me being jet lagged, I'm not sure we're going to make much sense. But no, but <laughs> don't you think it'll be the best? <laughs> like <laughs> possibly, it could be really surreal and not make any sense whatsoever. So I, I like the idea of island time. I think I'm just going to say that. <laughs> Everyone, I'm just on island time. I'm on newborn land island time. Uh, yeah, so, your own island. Exactly. Uh, I got to also say that the galley copy of your book, General Discipline, it could not have arrived at the more oppor- a more opportune moment. My three-year-old was whining and driving my husband absolutely insane, and he was at his wit's end, and I opened the package, and I pull out the book, and I couldn't help but giggle at the cover because it was like gentle discipline. It was like this perfect little like wink and nod from the universe of like, it's okay, Ellie. We've got your back. (laughs) We can figure this out. So I'd like to start by asking you, how do you define discipline? So I think we have to start off by asking how do other people define discipline? So most people think discipline is about punishing or shaming or some kind of like bribing or rewarding. So basically when kids misbehave, discipline is meant to change how they behave, to make them more respectful, to make their behavior more acceptable. And most people think we do that either by making them feel bad about themselves, by making them regret what they've done, by punishing them, or by motivating them to do better. So say using a sticker chart or giving them a a toy or some form of a reward. So that definition of discipline is all about, I guess, changing the child's motivation by making them feel better or making them feel worse. For most people, though, I think discipline is seen as something that's quite stern and quite strict and actually not very nice for either the kid or the parent to do. So the idea of a gentle discipline is actually to completely flip everything on its head and think about what our aim is. So when our kids do something we don't like, our aim is to want to shape them and nurture them into 
a nicer person to live with, not just now, but maybe in 10 or 20 years time. When you think about it that way, we have to take a long term approach. So we have to think about keeping the family happy, keeping everybody safe in the short term. But we've also got to think about the effects of what we do and say when they're a grown adult. So we very quickly realised that actually discipline is all about teaching. We're teaching our children how to behave, what a nice human is, how other people feel and how they can better themselves. So we have to start from the position really of how do you teach and how do we learn the most? And the really simple way to understand this is kids learn best when they feel good. If they don't feel good, if we shout at them or yell at them, they don't feel good so they can't learn. And basically, in a nutshell, that is it's just setting up an environment where they can learn best. I want to say for a moment, I'm so appreciative of all the real world examples you give in your book. On the podcast over the past couple of years, we've talked a ton about conscious parenting. I'm at this place where for the past two years or three years, I've really been aware of using gentle discipline. But because I'm t- so tired and this is completely irrational, but I'll admit that like there are moments where I'm frustrated because I want to be like, I've used gentle discipline. Like, why can't you be gentle back? Which I guess yeah. is not really, <laughs> isn't gentle. But what what advice do you have for us Like, a, when we feel like we are giving our children, you know, the space to express themselves, to let them know that it's okay to be angry, I, I, you ha- feel your feelings, you know, we need to feel that we need to be able to express them in certain ways or you can't do certain things. But I've always been so respectful of feelings. And now I get that it's irrational to expect a three-year-old to like, I don't know, give me – I'm, I'm struggling even with the question, I guess, because I, I know that it doesn't make any sense. But I'm, So your I'm, question is basically if you've been working so hard, why is it not working? Yeah, like why can't she just be an adult already? That's why I yeah, think exactly. that's why I'm having a hard time asking the question because I know it's not rational. Yeah, but I'm sure there's a lot of three. parents that feel this way, that they're sort of like, I've been so kind to you. So there are three different answers to your question. The first answer is non-question that- question. Okay. It's a question everybody asks. So I see this so commonly like on internet groups. I've been doing all of this, but my kid's still tantruming and they're still hitting their brother. They're still cursing. They're still fighting. They're still having, you know, not disrespecting me. It's so common. And people seem to think that once you adapt this more gentle conscious method that everything's going to be changed in your family and you'll have this perfect child and you'll you'll be, you know, perfect Disney type family. But the thing is, as you've quite rightly said, you have a three-year-old and a three-year-old cannot at all ever behave in the way that you're wanting her to. So you're working against brain development. Right. So you have to understand that a three-year-old has little to no impulse control, no ability to regulate their emotions. They have very low levels of empathy. They just simply can't produce the behavior that you're wanting to see. That's not a downfall for you or for your daughter. That, that's just the way it is. So the first thing we have to have is realistic expectations. So am I expecting behavior of this child that they are just not capable of? The really key thing to understand is that ultimately this style of parenting, this style of discipline is not quick fix. You're doing it for the long term. And actually, you may not see any tangible results for 15 years. 
And that's really hard to get your head around when we live in such a quick fix society. You know, we can get anything that's sort of next day loans, three day diets, mm-hmm. you know, all of these sort of drive through anything. But you have to put so much time and so investment into today and still have a kid shout, hit, whine, kick, bite. Yeah, because that's what so they do trust. at this stage. Yeah, and you know what? And you really may not see any results for 10, 15, even 20 years' time, which is. It's so difficult. You have to keep reminding yourselves of this. I'm not doing this in vain. I'm in this for the long haul. And do you know what now? So my kids are 10, 12, 13 and 15. And I would say I'm only just really starting to reap the rewards of the 15 year old. Okay. That's how long it takes. So that's the first answer is it's not a quick fix. That doesn't mean to say that you you are permissive and let them run right in the short term. You still have to set boundaries and enforce limits. And mm-hmm. there are going to be times when your daughter doesn't like that. And she's upset and she cries and you may have to be a bit more stern than you'd like to be. But the whole ethos is focused in what will happen in what 2030. <laughs> not 2017. That's great. So that's the first answer yeah. is the fact that she can't behave like you want her to because she's three. I'm going to put a post-it and, note on the fridge that says 2030. You know, think of 2030, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, I, I was writing an article yesterday and you're going to laugh at me because of the way I pronounce this word, talking about if we were planting seeds and we were growing a tomato plant, which I think yes. you say tomato. I love or something. it. No tomato. So, I had a British boyfriend. I love the way he said yogurt. <laughs> potato tomato so we're growing tomato seeds and you've just planted them today tomorrow morning you would not wake up and be angry that they weren't fully grown and bearing fruit and that's exactly what happens when you've spent you know all day being gentle with the seeds or with your daughter you don't expect to see results that quickly from anything else that's like a natural living being but we do for our kids. So that's the the first answer, the expectations, the fact that it's long-term, not short-term. Two other answers to your question that I'll try and do really quickly. We, particularly mothers, and I don't mean to sound sexist when I say that, but I do think that seems to be a trend more amongst mums and dads, is we tend to be too quick to blame ourselves and feel guilty. So if things aren't working, we tend to be quite introspective and say, well, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not naturally calm. I'm not this earth mother. You know, there are some mums who can do this and it comes naturally and they're calm. And I just can't do that. It's me. It's my fault. That's why I can't do it. Or I'm too busy. Or this only works if you've only got one child or if you don't work. That sort of self-defeatist attitude and behavior, the sort of attacking ourselves is perhaps one of our biggest downfalls. In the book, I talk about a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. So for the parents who say, this isn't for me, it's not working, that's an example of what we would say a fixed mindset, a belief that is very fixed and unhelpful and very pessimistic. We have to change that internal narrative to say, do you know what? Today, I haven't been great, but I know that that's the first step. And tomorrow, I'm really going to put more effort in and change. And maybe I won't succeed tomorrow. Maybe I'll succeed in six months time. But I know I can do this if I really keep trying. To do that gets you on to my last point of point three of your answers in the fact that in order to be able to do that, we have to look after ourselves. The kind of dreaded self-care words that most (laughs) parents kind of groan when I say. No, it's really important. it's, It's a cliche. And the amount of people say, you know, I don't have time for that. I don't have the money for that and I don't have the time for that. So then my answer is always the same. If you don't have time for self-care, you will have to make time to deal with the difficult behavior of your kids' yes. results. Oh, that's so, so good. So either way, you have to spend the time. Do you want to spend it looking after yourself or do you want to spend it 
dealing with the behavior of your child that results because your lack of self-care has built up all these limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. we get angry we get stressed when we get Mm -hmm. exhausted we get tired as you said you step into authoritarian or permissive parenting the key ultimately in all of this going back to my answer to your first question is to be a good teacher and good teachers need to take care of themselves they realize when they're hitting burnout they realize when they need a break and they keep on learning they're not hard on themselves if they have a day that's difficult they think you know what went wrong what can i change So it doesn't have to be self-care, like go out and do a spa day or do a yoga class. It could be just, I don't know, five. For me, even something as simple as going and having a bath and shutting the door so I didn't have kids throwing plastic things in with me or trying to go to the toilet alone, like something really basic. Yes. And you're a mother of four. So if you can fit it in, we can grab it too. Yeah. And you know what? When I run workshops, bearing in mind I have lots of, um, I guess, people who, dads who don't really want to be in the workshop so I have to try and make Mm. it quite funny Mm -hmm. so when we talk about self-care I ask people to give me lots of examples of ways that they do that so that could be you know I go to the pub I go for a run I go for a walk I phone a friend whatever and I always say who thinks they don't have time for self-care and lots of people put their hands up so my next question is how many of you have a poo every day <laughs> Most people put their hands up. It's a little bit of a personal question. And I say, right, if you have time to have a I poo, if do. you have a poo, <laughs> yeah. do you know what? Yeah. <laughs> if they don't, that's a whole other issue. But <laughs> they need a different workshop. A, no, I'm kidding. If you have a poo, and if you, especially if you can have a poo without a child in with you, then you have time for self care. The simplest and easiest way is to take your phone, download a meditation mindfulness app, yep. sit on the loo, poo, and do the mindfulness app. It takes five or 10 minutes a day, probably coincides with your poo length. You're not doing much else when you're on the loo. Most people take their phones in with them and browse Facebook. You know, go and do the mindfulness app. It will make such a difference. It sounds so silly. Something just that simple, multitasking, also really helps if you're constipated as well because it relaxes everything. Uh So, you know, start breathing again. Yeah. No, I'm saying that it kind of makes you remember saying something so silly like, why is she talking about poos and, you know, body movements? But take your phone into the loo, download an app, listen to it do some deep breathing meditation and that will do you that's really all you need to do and also self-care is that basic like we it's that basic having a bath with the door shut yeah it is it is so important last night i finally i took uh our newborn eliza for a walk it was just a 10 minute walk around the block and i was a different person when i came back in the house and it's so crazy how we can reset for ourselves and recharge in those little moments. And then, yes, when I'm with my three-and-a-half-year-old and she's climbing all over me while I'm trying to nurse, I'm so much more gentle with her. I was to say, sometimes you have to do an emergency self-care, which is something quite big. So my Achilles heel is I yell when I'm really stressed and angry. When I find myself being shouty, yelly mum, I know I have to do something. So for me, my emergency self-care is to go out for the day with some girlfriends and go to a spa. You know, that's just what personally I do, mm-hmm. but it has to be a day long and I have to be away from them for a day. So I think it's, you know, being aware of, okay, right, am I really at the end of my tether? Do I need to do something quite big? So it doesn't have to be big financially. It just needs to be something that fills you up or empties you more than sitting on the loo and listening to right. your meditation or going for a walk. So something bigger. So talk to us about the why, how, what method. Yeah, so I think all of this sort of really what underpins gentle discipline is you're working as a team with the kid. But most importantly, we think about why they're behaving in the way we do. Most discipline 
looks at kids as if they're naughty or manipulative or devious. And it's all about how can we stop them from being this difficult, disrespectful child? It's really rare that any of the methods that are using mainstream discipline, things like naughty steps, time out, none of them really pause and think, you know, why is the kid doing this? Always, it's a little bit like if you've hurt yourself and you have a wound that's infected, say on your arm, you could get a big, what do you, do you call them, plasters or elastoplast or something? Uh, you know what I'm talking cast. about? Yes. So if, if you've got a wound on your arm and you stick, you cover it up, you bandage it up or whatever. So you don't see it. You've covered it up. You've dealt with it. That's mainstream discipline. Gentle discipline thinks, well, hang on a minute, whilst you've covered that up, that Mm -hmm. could be getting infected underneath. We need to actually look at what's happening there and and deal with the actual wound, not just mask it. So we have to think about why are they behaving in this way? How are they feeling? What's driving it? Because in most cases, if you deal with that, there's no need to do anything. So, you know, for instance, as you were saying, I, I don't know if you're experiencing difficulties with your daughter not just actually when a baby arrives afterwards but quite often the behavior starts a few weeks beforehand so if she did say behave in a way that you're not happy with you have to think why is she doing this the mm-hmm. answer really simply for the situation you're in now is probably she's needing more attention one-on-one mm-hmm. how is she feeling And the answer almost always to that is not very good, whatever the situation is, whether it's fighting with a sibling, whether it's troubles at school, whether it's fighting with parents, whether it's a toddler biting a new sibling. The answer is almost always, you know what, they're not feeling good. They're not doing this because they enjoy it. They're feeling really uncomfortable. So why are they doing it? How are they feeling? And what do you hope to achieve from disciplining? It's really simple. So if if you're ever struggling to think, well, I've got to do something about this. Those three questions can really guide you into what you do as a result. So if, if a child's feeling disconnected, if they're feeling really sad and even even a bit of grief at the relationship they've lost, the answer is, well, actually, I want to repair that. I don't want to make that feel worse by excluding them more, by putting them in their room or putting them in time out. The answer is actually to spend a bit more time. Mm-hmm. So last night we... Uh, were down in the playroom and I let my daughter watch an episode of the show called Octonauts that she's obsessed Mm -hmm. with and she knew she could only watch one and so then I when it was over I turned it off uh, um, and then she threw a fit and I was nursing our newborn and my daughter started kicking me which when we turn off when we shut down screen time like that's always when she has this big meltdown and so mm-hmm. she was kicking at me and i would say um sabrina i'm not going to let you kick me and then she'd kick me again and i'm with the baby and i'd say this is unsafe for the baby i know you're disappointed that the show is over you know what else can we do would you like to we can draw together we can make a poster for your grandparents that are coming tomorrow we can and I gave other options and she continued to kick me and say I want the more of this show at that point my husband came downstairs and I know in my heart that she's kicking me well she's disappointed that she can't watch her show and I'm sure she's frustrated that I have a baby in my arms um they were able to go upstairs and read books together, and that was the solution. But it's almost like she has to go through that fight or fight sort of physical aggression before she can even 
balance out enough to be like, yeah, okay, I'll go read books with daddy, which is what she wanted. She wanted connection with one of us. Uh And so that worked out. But I guess my question is, if daddy wasn't there to read with her, what what should have been my next step with the two kids? So why is she doing it? She's Um, I don't know. Was it in the evening? Uh, Yes. So... TV actually for a toddler or preschooler watching TV like that is sometimes a way for them to unwind if they're feeling really tired. So it may be that she was using that as a way to kind of chill out and evening because she was tired. It's also, you know, she's really into a show. It's a bit like, I don't know if you've ever binge watched on Netflix or something. Exactly. Like you've had a show that you really like and you're really into it. You don't want to turn it off. You know, we can all understand yeah. how that feels when you're engrossed in something. TV right. is really addictive for little kids, mm-hmm. even more so than us. They have zero impulse control. So her reaction to that, regardless of your situation, is completely normal. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like you're watching your best show. You're binge watching. Somebody says, right, no more. Yep. So taking it back a step, it may be that she needed a way to calm down without the TV or perhaps that show could have come slightly earlier. It would be like earlier. if I ripped my husband's iPad out of his hands in the middle yeah. of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. And also he'd had a really tough day at work. He was really <laughs> exhausted. And it was, you know, it was like, I've come home. I'm watching this. I can relax now. And it's my favorite thing to watch. Yep. Yeah. So it's a little I bit more than just that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, empathizing is really important. Maybe something as simple as moving it a little bit forward in the evening so she's not quite so tired. Having some more visual cues, like toddlers and preschoolers don't really get time. We could say, mm-hmm. oh, well, when this is finished, it's time to go to bed. But they don't have um, something called hypothetical thought. Mm-hmm. So they find it really difficult to think about what will happen in the future. They're very much in the here and now, things they can touch and see now. So warning her that one show and that's it is is pretty meaningless, to be honest. Okay. So having something that she can see and touch more is more helpful. So it could be, for instance, you have, I don't know, really big sand timer or you set a countdown on an iPad that coincides with the program finishing so that she can see that it's coming. It, it's a bit more meaningful than suddenly it's finished. But what about, like, there's a song that, it's like creature report, creature report. It's, yeah. like, it's the last like three minutes of this of the show. There is like okay. there are these symbols that say that it's winding down. OK, so then I would keep pointing out to you, you know, okay. this is coming up to the end. You don't forget it. we're going to go Got up. It. So it, it's like almost almost constantly at that point, like every 30 seconds or so. That's very helpful. And also the, the timer, the sand timer is a great idea because I also have so many friends where, you know, you let your child watch one little three minute YouTube video where they're doing like the Play-Doh things and then they freak out when you take it away because that has no sort of demarcation that it's ending. So that's screens have their their very own way of dealing with them because they're so addictive. You know, whether we're talking three or 30. I know. They're terrible. I get that we shouldn't do it, but yeah. I don't think that you shouldn't do it. I think, you know, Ginny, sometimes we need to use it, particularly if you've got another baby. We all need time out. Sometimes it's like, you know, have the screen for half an hour, an hour, and then I can have a break. Mm-hmm. But sometimes thinking, well, if the screen causes issues because it's the one up to right. bedtime, maybe we should put screens in the morning. Gotcha. So I, I always talk about actually sometimes think of it as stepping out of the situation and using your adult brain rather than finding a solution. Maybe the solution is you just move that away from bedtime mm-hmm. rather than dealing with it when it happens at bedtime. Right. But if and when it does happen at bedtime, you were lucky that you had dad there to help out. If you didn't yes. have dad there, 
then the paramount thing you think of is safety. So I use an acronym called SENSE in the book. So S-E-N-S-E. And I call it making sense of tantrums. And this is very much to use in a short-term situation. So the first S stands for safety. Safety matters more than anything. There's no point disciplining if somebody is at risk. And the instance you gave me, your baby was at risk. So what you have to think about there is to, or if it was you that was being kicked, you've got to stop the kicking or the hitting. So whether she was hitting the baby, kicking you, you have to stop that. So you need to move away from her slightly and just say very firmly, I will not let you kick me or I will not let you hit the baby. Mm -hmm. If she doesn't stop it, then you may have to firmly but gently restrain her leg or something. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen there is she's then going to go into meltdown with all these big feelings. Like she's really upset. She can't control her impulses. She's got all these big emotions and you're telling her to stop something. So she's not feeling good at all at that moment. So the next letter in the acronym is E, which stands for empathize, which I think we've been talking about all along. What are you, know, she's feeling really bad about this. I don't want to be angry at her. She's tired. She's got a new sibling. She wanted to watch more of her show. I know what my husband would be like if he was watching Game of Thrones. I get it. <laughs> I'm not going to be angry, Mom. I'm going to stay on her side. Yeah. So the oh, next that's beautiful is, too. Stay on her side. Yeah. So the next letter is N, which means to name her feelings. So I'd say to you, I know you're really angry. You really wanted to watch the next Octonauts episode. <laughs> so by saying that, yeah. it shows her that, you know, I get it. I really do. Mm-hmm. The really important thing is that you can't say that while she's in fight or flight mode. When she's full of cortisol and angry, there's yeah. no point talking to her. Because she literally won't hear you. She can't compute anything. So you have to let her feel those emotions. You have to make sure she's safe and that she's not going to hurt herself or break something or hurt anybody else. And you need to let her calm down a little bit before you start talking to her. Because only then is she going to hear you. Then you move on to the next S in the letter sense, which is support. So here, lots of people think this means when you're gentle, the way that you support a toddler having a tantrum is to give them a hug. I don't know about you, but when my daughter was three, if I tried to give her a hug, she probably would have hit me at that point. Yeah. Some kids, say, when I need having... my space. <laughs> yeah, okay, says. so respect that. Give her a space. Yeah. Some, some kids would be like, yeah, I do want a hug. And like my daughter would have said, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and lashed out at me. So the support there is, okay, I can see you need your space. I'm going to sit just here. When you're ready, let me know. I'd love to help you calm down. Oh, that's so good. Wait, I want to say it again so that I can remember it. When you're ready, I want to help you calm. Uh, wait, what is it? When you're ready, I, I'm here to help yeah, you calm I'm down? Yeah, okay. I'm here. I'm here when you need me. But I can see that you want your space, so I'll just be here. Oh, if I could only say and, it in your accent, then I feel like I'd really be able to sell it. Because it sounds last, so sweet. <laughs> the last E is exchange, which is a little bit like you're, sort of, you're exchanging one difficult feeling to do something more positive. So it's mm-hmm. almost like distracting. But the really important thing is this is coming right at the very end. So if you distracted her right at the beginning, you'd have lost all this wonderful teaching opportunity. You would have not let her express her feelings. So at this point, the distraction may be, the exchange may be, how about we pick out a book and I read you a book? Yeah. How about we play this for a, a couple of minutes? But you're right. When but I it, said I did that, but I did it too early because she wasn't ready yes. to hear it yet. Exactly. So you've got to let her calm down. It's a bit like if you've, you're feeling really, really bad. You're in a cafe with a friend. You're sobbing. You're angry. You're fuming. You get all of the feelings out. 
you feel a bit spent, a bit exhausted. But at that point, your friend says, hey, I could do with some chocolate cake. Do you want some? <laughs> and at that point, you think, yeah, do you know what? I, I feel good. I've got all of this out. Chocolate cake would be good here. But if she'd said, let's have some chocolate cake the minute you started to cry, yeah, you wouldn't have been able to get those feelings out. No. So it's a bit, hold the chocolate cake for the end. Do everything else first. But the really key thing comes back to the very first thing you said to me. You're not going to stop these tantrums. Do you know, you still get 20-year-olds having a tantrum because they want to watch their favorite show on TV. You have to understand that it's normal. She's not doing it to wind you up. She Mm -hmm. wanted to watch it. She's probably got a bit of upset about her new sibling. She's probably tired. She probably feels out of control at that time. She's not behaving badly. She's behaving like a three-year-old. Your primary aim is to keep her, yourself, and your baby safe. And then help her to feel her emotions in a safe way support her afterwards but make it very clear with those clear boundaries I will not let you hurt me I will not let you hurt the baby I will not let you break something Mm -hmm. that's what separates it from being permissive basically that's so helpful I've got to ask you about uh empathy because you know I'm thinking of Daniel Tiger and everyone is trying to teach their children empathy. And I am realizing that at this age, she's almost four, like it's still it's still not there for her. And I think that's totally normal. But when we do a play date, I'll give you an example. Last week, my girlfriend Jessica came over with her daughter and their buddies and they're the same age and they were playing house. And uh, my daughter decided she wanted to play mom and um, her little girlfriend also wanted to play mom (laughs) and my daughter said no I'm the mom be something else and uh, Jessica and I said well you know everyone can choose who they want to be you can both be moms and my daughter was not interested in that and um, and so then she said well then I'm not gonna play (laughs) and then and this is something that keeps coming up that she'll decide, well, and I'm not going to play with you. And then she'll say, I want space. And especially with a play date, it's so awkward because the other child will want to play or do something else or, you know, they're coming to her with this eagerness and she will just be like, no, I'm not going to play with you or I want my space. And then she'll kind of like wander around like she's like in a sad moment in a Disney film. So I'm not really sure what to do there because – she hurts other children's feelings when she does that. But at the same time, I respect that, like, if she doesn't want to play, she doesn't want to play. What would yeah. you do in those instances? So she does have some empathy at this age. Everything starts to develop from birth. She'll have more empathy than she had when she was two. She learns empathy from you. You don't have to teach children empathy. There's no specific lesson. They learn it by us role modeling. So mm-hmm. a great way to teach her empathy in that situation is to show her that you empathize with how she's feeling. Mm-hmm. Play dates are really tricky. Um, I always say play dates aren't for the kids, they're for the mums. Right. I agree. Kids I love them. Because, really no, yeah, yeah it's for my girlfriend and me. I think as mums, we need them, but kids often don't. They don't need to socialize with their peers at that age. They learn all the socialization they need from us. If This is also happening a lot on the playground at school. But if your kid really likes to socialize, that's great. Do it. If they struggle with it, then 
perhaps the easiest thing, do you remember previously I said, think outside, use your adult brain? Yeah. Sometimes the easiest answer is to think, right, she's struggling with play dates at the moment. I'm going to pause them for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Or we'll meet somewhere sort of a neutral ground, like we'll go to a park or something mm-hmm. where there can be no fighting about games like this. Right. But sometimes I think having a break or at that point, it might be that she's trying to say to her, actually, do you know, mum, this isn't really about me being the mum. This is more about me feeling done socialising today. So it could be yes, that I think maybe, that's that was, maybe that's time it. to go home. Yep. Maybe she's introverted, which is, you know, I'm a massive introvert. It's I like to socialise, but sometimes I'm like, that. OK, that's it. I'm done with people for today yes. and I need to go. And I think that can be really hard, particularly if you're quite extroverted as a mum and you've got an introverted kid and there's that mismatch between, oh, but it's lovely, you're having fun, I'm having fun, your friend's here. And the child's behaviour is very clearly saying to you, I I can't actually deal with this anymore today. That's a great point. I've been thinking about it because it's it also feels like if she came up to me and cuddled in my lap and said, I'm feeling shy or something, then everyone would – that would feel – Super. Yeah, and she ex- may be that would feel acceptable because then it's not trying to hurt someone's age. feelings. The problem is, she, it's not a problem. But the way she presents it is that she is the um, the alpha, and so then but she it, presents she presents it like that because she's three. What exactly. you're hoping her to do is what a ten year old would do, right? And so, but I think that so then it suddenly becomes that she's the one who is hurting this other child's feelings when really it's she's really saying I'm done I can't do this anymore I'm just saying it in a way that makes me sound um authoritative or not nice (laughs) and sort of like a mean girl and And I think it comes down to the relationship you have with the other mom so if like she's a friend I'd be I'd just say to you know I'm really sorry I hope that she's not upset your little girl I'd go and I'd play with the little girl for a bit oh well I'll be mum I'll be the dad and you can be the mum or something it's more about the relationship the two adults have yeah and I perhaps discuss that when the children weren't there and just say look I hope you're okay with this she's going through this at the moment but you know if it ever gets too much if it gets too much please tell us to go home that I will definitely keep in mind but the the do you know what the most important thing to take away from this is your daughter is showing some really m- remarkably mature skills as well by saying, no, I don't want to do this. If she was 25 and saying that, we'd be saying how fantastic that she's such an assertive young woman. But we hate assertiveness when they're young, especially actually assertiveness in women, of like, whether they're three or 30 is not seen as a positive thing. But how fantastic that she's saying, no, I don't want to do that. I agree. It is so fantastic. I mean, from the beginning, like she would be two years old on the playground and, you know, a boy would snatch something from her and she snatched it back and be like, yeah, sister, like lean in. Like this is (laughs) – I am all – I went to women's college. Like I'm all about this. She also very much likes to be in control of the play situations and she's a leader and – But we call them bossy or mean girls. Right. No, she's a leader. But she will – She's a leader, which is great. She is. And – but there are moments when – Someone else will want to play with her and whoever she's playing with and she'll say no. Or a week ago, she, I guess, she has a girlfriend at school that she really enjoys playing with and she was holding her hand and another classmate came up and wanted to hold my daughter's hand as well. And my daughter wouldn't hold her hand. And I guess that became this whole thing where the the, uh, the classmates' feelings were hurt. And then 
you know, obviously the part of me but that it's is her being, hand. If you don't want hand. something to touch part of your body, exactly. You know, of course, you should have, have autonomy. <laughs> exactly. And she'll understand the intricacies of it when she's older, when she has more empathy, more understanding of how others feel and social rules. But right now, she's three. So what she should I say that. to the, if this comes up with like a preschool teacher or do I? I have a conversation with them and just say, you know, when she's, she is a, a kind of a, a natural leader. She's naturally assertive and I don't want to take that away from her. I think that's a great trait, but I appreciate, you know, I don't want her to upset other people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, but please understand she is only three. Yeah. You're, if, if the teacher's there and you're not, I'd have a word with the teacher, you know, by all means do say something to her, try to help her to see how the other person's feeling, but yeah. I wouldn't want it to be considered a problem. Okay. In the same way that I'd be having a chat with your friend that mm-hmm. you had the play date with and apologising, just like, I hope you don't mind. This is why I don't really want to do anything about it, but I do really want to make sure that your daughter's not upset. Do let me know if you want to have a break from play dates with the kids there for a while. Maybe the two of us could go out without right. the kids or something. Yep. Yep. So it, it's more about you kind of protecting your adult relationships, but also in the book I talk about being a champion for our kids. Mm-hmm. So when they get embarrassing in social situations, it's really important to stand up for them sometimes. And that might make you embarrassed to do so. But far too often in our society, when our our kids do something we're embarrassed about, we try to change the kids because we're embarrassed. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes it's about being a champion for them, standing up and taking a hit, the embarrassment by saying, actually, do you know what? This is for my kid. And I feel uncomfortable acting like this or saying this, but... I have my kids' best interests in heart. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I'm going to... So it's it's not disciplining because you're worried about what the other person thinks about you. Right. Because because it's this concern of, well, and also a genuine concern that you don't want your child to hurt other children's feelings and you want to teach them empathy. So that's where I struggle. But you're teaching them empathy by being empathic with them. Yeah. You have to, it has to always start by role modeling. Yeah. You can't have a, right, today we're going to sit down for half an hour and have a lesson on empathy. It doesn't work like that. They learn from who you are. They learn from how people treat them. I know, but me and Sarah, we treat her that this goes back to my first question, non-question. is And she's three, you know, so the life of a three-year-old is incredibly egocentric. Her world revolves around her. Right. Her feelings revolve around her. That's not a flaw of her. That's just what happens when you're three. And... You, you can't and don't understand all the intricacies of how other people feel and how your actions make them feel. That's something gener- generally we wouldn't expect to happen well until you're 11 plus. Right. But actually, even teenagers struggle with empathy. There's actually a theory that teenagers have a dip in empathy. So they get a bit <laughs> better about the age of 10 or 11. But oh, when they hit yeah. about 13, 14, they start to get less empathic. That makes particularly so much sense. teenage girls, actually. Teenage yeah. girls tend to be less empathic than boys. Oh. And that Slight dip in empathy is really important because that helps them to focus on themselves again and mm. about who they are at that important crossroad between childhood and adolescence and adulthood. Oh God, that's they a beautiful to way fo- to look at that. And they have to focus on themselves and think about who they are and what they want to be in their place in the world. So again, it doesn't mean that teenagers are horrible or we've done a bad job if they're, you might call them selfish or you don't think about anybody else, all you do is think about yourself, but that is exactly what they're doing because that's what they need to do. And again, that doesn't mean that 
all the work you put in when they were two or three was in vain. That just means they're a teenager with a brain that's fine tuning and you're not going to see the outcome of it. Normally that fades by about 18. 18 is when you they really start being nice again. Mm. Well, I can't wait to look. I have so much to look forward to until we get to 2030. I have so much to look forward to. You have to stop her from physically hurting people. If she's really upsetting them, I would leave the situation. I'd say, sweetheart, we're all struggling a bit today. Let's go home. That's a great way to phrase it. Safety, safety of physical safety, emotional safety. But have her back, stay on her side. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when it's really hard, that's the night you need to get home and do some self-care. Yes, and remind yourself, this is not a failing. All this work I've put in hasn't been worthless. I'm just not going to see it yet. And I want to say for our listeners, when you when you get this book, one of the things I really appreciate about it is you also talk about how we can express ourselves to our own parents and to other people that might be wondering like, well, why aren't you just laying down the law? Or why aren't you parenting the way I parented you? There are so many helpful tips in this book, not only about, you know, sibling rivalry and whining and anger and, you know, the way that self-esteem plays into your child's behavior. You've got these fantastic lists of like the physiological behavior triggers that we can look out for. Like when she's had preschool all day and she's tired and then she has a friend come over, like I kind of might be setting her up for too much in one day. I want to say, take a quick moment to just say, Sabrina, if you do listen to this episode someday, I want you to know that um, I am so proud of you and what a strong little girl you are. And I love watching you go after what you want And you have been so gentle and kind to your baby sister and so helpful to me. And I appreciate that you are the leader you are. Okay. Just not quite yet, maybe in 20 years. Yeah, exactly. We, you know, uh, we get it. You're a little CEO and that, you know, it's so funny, even at age one, uh, the last day of our mommy and me group, the teacher asked us all to write down two words that describe our child. And even at the age one, I, I, my two words for her were giggle boss. And it's still, it's, (laughs) that's it. And that's, you know, and I'm, it's a privilege to be able to, um, share my life with her and and all the lessons she gives me because listen I'm coming at this as like a you know someone who's struggles with codependency and always wants people to feel good and so it's so funny to yeah. watch her teach me that you know sometimes I don't want to play anymore and it's not but, my you know, problem that's the most, we have to come at this of not trying to be perfect to realize actually I'm trying to teach my kid but I'm also teaching myself and I'm learning as much as they're learning And when you learn, you mess up, you don't get things right, but that's all right. It's all right to make mistakes. It's all right to slip up. It's all right to have bad days. It's all right to yell. It's all right to do something wrong. As long as you realize you're learning and keep trying. So good. Okay, everybody, pick up gentle discipline using emotional connection, not punishment to raise confident, capable kids. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on, Sarah, for fitting us in after your um, island excursion and for making sense of my (laughs) sleep deprivation. This has been incredibly helpful for me, and I know it will be for so many listeners. Um, Everybody, please check out Sarah's other work also. Um, What is your website, Sarah? 
Um, my personal website is just sarahokwal-smith.com. So I blog on there, but I also have a gentleparentinginternational.com website. And Sarah, if we want to follow you on social media, uh, what are your handles? Oh, gosh, that's asking, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Facebook. No, I do know. Facebook is Sarah Ockwell Smith author, all one word. Instagram is Sarah Ockwell Smith, no hyphen, just all one word. And Twitter is The Baby Expert. I, I really appreciate your helping me with these real life scenarios. And throughout the book, that is the coolest thing ever. You've got all of these parenting questions uh, for parents that are, you know, they send you these questions while they're in the trenches and you've got these fantastic responses. And thank you so much for letting me be uh, a guinea pig today and for helping guide me through what's happening in the moment uh, at our household. You're welcome. Listeners also reach out to us on social media at Atomic Moms on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I've really been enjoying our conversations on Instagram. Until next week, everyone, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. 